Hello, and welcome to Alive or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod, and with me is my fellow host, Chris Lavender. Today on Alive or Just Blethering, I'll be taking us through What It Is To Burn by Finch. Good afternoon, Keith. How's it going? It's pretty good, man. As it always is, that seems to be my standard reply. It's pretty good, lad. How are you? You know what? I'm having a. I've had a great week. Uh, it's been a a really nice week with the weather. We've had a, a, an album to listen to. I think that matches that vibe, that summer vibe, quite well. A lot of nostalgia with that that I want to go through. Yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely stoked to talk about this one. Good man, glad to hear it. I'm. Uh, I don't know if I share your enthusiasm. My enthusiasm is tainted by nostalgia. I'm going to be upfront and honest with that. I mean, mine's too should be tainted with nostalgia. I used to. Oh, there you go. Spoiler alert. Used to. I used to love this album. Thought it was utterly groundbreaking and mind blowing, and and you know spoke of my very soul at the time I was listening to it. But in revisiting. It's felt a bit laboured to get through it. I, I've sort of picked a lot out of the, the the songs and the album as a whole that I'm a bit like, oh, that's by by today's standards at least. I'm I'm not able to sort of enjoy. I think as much as I did as a youth. I've also got a story as to why I'm sort of ended up tainted against Finch a little bit, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Wow. Uh, well, so a big uh, welcome to all of our listeners. Thank you for coming back if you've been here before. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, if you want to reach out to us on any of our social channels, we, you can get us on Instagram or Twitter at AOGB Podcast. We're also now got a working Facebook page. Page? The pages? Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash AOGB Podcast. If anyone has any comments or things they want to say about the episodes they've listened to, please smash in we're, we're open to any sort of news there was a, a great one that came back on the tool one was someone interacting with us about a bit more information about the recording that was used at the end of the tool album about how the satellite went down and things really interesting to learn more about that this album finch what it is to burn is a really good album to follow on from our funeral for a friend special that we did last week with ped Definitely. I think we said at the end of the last episode where where we discussed Finch briefly, you know, these Funeral for Friend and Finch go sort of go hand in hand almost and, and there is there's a massive emo sort of vibe here uh, with Finch, which ironically is also one of the reasons I've sort of feel like I've drifted away from the album. But de- definitely coming off a of Funeral for Friend almost seems natural to, to come into Finch. You could almost argue there may be the American Funeral for a Friend albeit somewhat, maybe, slightly less successful. Well, certainly from our perspective, on this side of the pond, like, categorically, not even it's not your subjective, is it? They, they had, what, how many albums did they manage to pump out in the Four? end? Four? Three. No. Yeah. They, I'll take three. They, they, right, you've caught me off guard. Sorry. What was it? What are we going for? Three or four? I reckon three. It was three, but they did a 10-year anniversary reissue of what it is to burn. That doesn't count. So they've got four releases. 
No, you're right. It was what it is to burn in 2002, say hello to sunshine in 2005, and back to oblivion in 2014, followed by the uh, what it is to burn X for the 10 years. Funeral for a Friend had significantly, not significantly more albums, that's not fair to say. They had seven, eight albums. I think I think compared to three, eight is bigger than three. Yeah, significantly bigger. That 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 works to me. Massive, huge. I mean, I'd I'd rather have eight than than four of any, or three of anything. So, dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool, man. so yeah, Finch was was one of those bands that again they began with F. So when I was scrolling through iTunes or whatever it was on my on my mini disc collection or when it was moving onto my iPod. Finch was really close to Funeral for a Friend, and if I'd been listening to a Funeral for a Friend album and then wanted something new, it would be a natural progression to move on to um, what it is to burn. And yeah, as it, you, I might have given the game away, it is the only Finch album that I've ever listened to. Ditto. It is the only album for me as well. I, I think I tried to follow on from from what it is to burn. And I just wasn't really able to keep with them. They did a song for one of the oh, Underworld soundtracks. Yeah, that's right. I was about to, I was about to say Queen of the Damned. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't a podcast favorite, Queen of the Damned, where, where someone bloody well lost their their, their shit with that album, uh-huh. but uh, with that movie. But they did. I think it was it was definitely Underworld one or two, and they did a song called Worms of the Earth. That's a banger. It's a really, really good song, but it wasn't enough to, to keep me with the band and, and sort of to follow me through. And to be fair, they did break up. So we'll, let's get into the guts of, of some of the band. Let's do it. They broke up, they came back. Let's get into some, some of the nitty gritty of, of the band themselves and we can take it from there. So Finch was an American five-piece post-hardcore Questionable. Band. Question, questionable genre talk choice there but carry on post post hardcore i mean obviously also emo as well maybe even a little pop pop emo pop i don't want to say pop punk because i don't really think there was a particularly strong punk influence but there is definitely that pop punk vibe to some of the songs on this album and we'll we'll yeah. we'll get to this 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 album's a a, a good old melting pot of genres Definitely. Uh, Five-piece post-hardcore band from Temecula, California. That sounds like an infection. It does. Formed in 1999 to, overall, to 2016, but originally, 99 to 2006, 2007 to 2010, and then again 2012 to 2016. So, considering we um, we spoke last week about how much we like, dislike, breakup tours and, and, and whatever. Hope these guys didn't do a, a goodbye tour every time because that, that shit have gone old. <laughs> that would have been taking the actual piss. But that yeah, that clearly not as, as stable an operation as, as what we've probably of any band that we've talked about so far. Yeah, quite 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 volatile and I think that reflects I've I've seen Finch once, we'll get to the story, but it almost reflects on what I saw in the band live so originally formed under the name numb as a four-piece their second guitarist randy stormare stromare joined later he was the link to to drive through records as he became friends with the owner richard rainey's so they released what it is to burn on drive through records well 
or did they? Was it Drive Through Records? We'll get there. The uh, the band essentially through through Randy, uh, the band sort of had this contact with with Richard and Drive Through Records, and they essentially just auditioned to them. They actually auditioned to 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 Rainey, his sister, and the, the their business partner. And they just did a straight up audition and they were like, yeah, we like you. You're signed. Wow. So like, did they have a demo already or nothing? Or they just raw played in front of them in like a, in like a music room or something? How'd that go? I think it was, it, it was just sort of like a straightforward audition for them. They'd had an EP and okay. you know, they, they had been a band prior to, to this audition. They had an EP, they, they were doing gigs and they were producing music and stuff like that. But this, this was what got them signed to, to, to what was a major label. Yeah. Good. That's got to, uh, you know what, if they're going to do it that way, then that's one way to do it. Whether it's getting discovered organically or whether it's putting your name out there and being, you know, putting yourself in the in front of the right people at the right time. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like what we were talking about with Brad Delson, you know, through working with, I forget where it was, he worked, that was his foot in the door. So there was already a relationship here between randy and richard that allowed them to 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 have that sort of foot in the door with drive through zomba brad delson worked as an intern for zomba which is Thank where he much. met jeff blue that's it god god love you jeff love harry day love you man love you man the the group officially changed their name to finch and released their first ep falling into place in 2001 this ep sold over 6,000 copies yeah that's that's a surprising number to sell for an EP that I'm assuming was never in a shop or anything. And this is this is pre-Bandcamp, pre-online sales. You know, this is people yeah. turning up to shows and physically buying it out of their hands. That's impressive. Yeah. Presumably there wasn't a massive distribution. It might have been in local music stores or whatever. But yeah, 6,000 copies was clearly enough for them to get a shot at what it is to burn so good on them totally ah good on you guys well done the you'll you'll love this bit you'll love this bit it was thought that numb which is also a lincoln park song it was thought that numb was a deftones cover band though finch has since denied this the claim referring to that as a misquote that has haunted them for years um i mean i don't think finch sound anything like deftones um if there's no, any band they do sound like, I don't want to spoil something I know you're going to say later on. Yeah, unless Numb must have sounded like a completely different band and they changed that sound for changing the name to Finch and then changing it up, then yeah, I don't know who who gave them that quote. Because even early Deftones, not even a patch on, on like Finch from nowadays or Finch what it is to burn. Not even... Yeah, that's just not even a comparison I could even imagine. Yeah, yeah. The album we got was ultimately nothing like Deftones. I'm not familiar with the EP falling into place. Maybe that was more Deftonesy. You know, if these guys were picked up in, in 2001, I can imagine Deftones was potentially a massive influence for them, as they would have been for a lot of people at that time. Definitely, definitely. But either way, it was a misquote, and they've uh, they somewhat. I think regret the the comment must suck when something like that like haunts your band or haunts things like if you have it in an interview like oh, so uh someone says you had a uh you're a deftones cover band it's like fuck off would this stop following me around yeah you would just absolutely rage quit the interview and be like fuck you <laughs> i'm gonna speak to brian stars you're shite 
Who? Brian who? Oh my God. Have I just... Oh, I didn't mean to do this. Brian Stars, he used to do interviews on, on YouTube with bands. And he used to do like... I mean, he worked hard. He was, he was like an early YouTuber. He was doing... He would release an episode every week and he was always getting in with bands. He always had a really, really fucking awkward question he would ask a band when he was interviewing them. Like almost trolling? It, no, I mean, it was so strange because he was very much like not... He wasn't dressed like the bands he was interviewing. Like he wasn't... He didn't look like a, an average emo kid, but he was interviewing all these like really high profile, like emo, mall emo bands. And he just had this like sort of really normy look about him but he is his question he would always ask every band was like or every band member is like what's your porn star name and it's a really like cringy question and he had this like really cringy sort of like awkward interview style but it was it was his he owned it and he he did pretty well with it and he worked really hard but then oh god I, i'm not going into brian stars there is there is too much to talk about with brian stars so anyway it's just a reference to i'll do an interview with an awkward YouTuber over this if you're going to bring up that fucking Deftones quote again. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no, I uh, no idea who Brian Star Wars that Brian Star Star Wars. Stars was. He's uh that's that's that that was a bit of a rabbit hole you ended up going down. There. I can go down more with Brian Stars. If anyone wants to hit me up in the comments about Brian Stars, just you shout me, I'll link you. Okay. Great. Great. So what it is to burn, the first album from Finch released March uh, 12th 2002 unless of course you were in the UK and then it was June 2nd of the same year 2002 never ever got these these staggered release dates for international I don't know why Why is it? Is it because at the time they had to get physical CDs but they were getting printed in the country that they sold in anyway so I just never understand this staggered release date nonsense why don't we uh, why don't we message Nate Barkalow the singer and ask you do that Nate why why, why, why did we do this? Why you do this? I'll get on the, I'll get on the Twitters. Yep. Produced by Mark Trombino. Are you familiar with Mark? Recognise the Trombino. name. Why should I recognise the name? Producer, recording, engineer and mixing. He has worked with the likes of Jimmy Eat World. Oh, there's a fucking album. Okay. I don't know which album, but Jimmy Eat World, Blink-22. He did Dude Wrench. Okay. The Starting Line, Motion City Soundtrack and all time low very good so he's so into that so again you you touched on the pop punk stuff yeah you've just named yeah, four pop punk bands that's what i was gonna say i think finch are probably the heaviest out of that at least that select few he's done quite a quite a renowned engineer he's and and producer he's been around for a while he's obviously worked with more bands but that they were the sort of the choice names that we picked out there Easily out of that lot, and I'm not too familiar with Motion City Soundtrack, but I would say Finch are the heaviest. Yeah, oh, definitely heavier than... I mean, Motion City Soundtrack are... They're not heavy um, musically, they're heavy uh, thematically. Right. I I feel like not knowing enough, I would maybe not know the difference between Motion City Soundtrack and Dashboard Confessional. Nothing. No. Two yeah. two polar opposites, not 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 the same thing. Dashboard are very like hopeful and you know all thinking about the future. Motion City soundtrack basically sing about suicide, but they sing about it in a really jangly jingly way, so it sounds really odd. It, it, it's, oh. 
I I would recommend all of our listeners go listen to a Motion City soundtrack song. I think they're brilliant, but they go to some dark places. Will you be covering Motion City soundtrack? Because I I wouldn't be familiar with them at all. Uh, no, I'm not 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 enough. I didn't hear about them until they were going to be the support for Fear for a Friend, and <laughs> that got that got canned, and it ended up becoming Fight Star. Right, we we spoke about that last week. That's right, totally. Cool. Okay, recorded at Big Fish Studios in Encinitas, California, on MCA Drive Through Records. So I alluded to, to Drive Through Records earlier because that's who the band were originally signed to. So the debut album, twelfth of March two thousand two, through MCA and Drive Through Records. The recording of it took place between June and September two thousand one. Again at Big Fish. So initially the band had signed to Drive Through Records, but around the end of two thousand two the band signed to MCA Records. So this drive through just seemed, I'm aware of drive through Like, I know the name drive through way more than I know MCA. But listen listen to this bit here. MCA had a distribution deal that allowed them to acquire drive through Records bands over time. Interesting. I do like... I, I used to like a lot of drive through Records bands back in 2000s, 2003. N- name a couple. Who, who, who have we got on drive through Because... I think I know the name more than I know the bands. So I remember going to a show about 2003 and there were, there were it was a drive-through record show. So there was four bands on that. Uh, it was The headliner was Homegrown. They also had Alistair, Hidden in Plain View and The Early November. But drive-through records had one really, really big band too, in fact, that if we're being honest. Uh, one of them, Dashboard Confessional, you've already mentioned. Yep. And also... Newfound Glory, that was where they started their life, and right. I think they're still on them as, as far as I'm aware, actually. But yeah, they were they were really a, a really important part of like the that early two thousands emo punk pop punk sound. Basically, yeah, all the important bands made their debut or start on Drive Through Records. I'm not sure if Newfound Glory are still there. Oh, it says, yeah, a list of former bands, so they're not with them anymore. Looking at it, I don't particularly recognise a lot of bands. Like you say, Newfound Glory. Senses Fall ring a bell. Senses Fail, yes. I've seen them several times live. Senses, Senses Fail, thank you very much. They, uh, they oh my God. Definitely... I just They released Hello Rock View. The, or they released a picture vinyl of Less Than Jake's Hello Rock View. So they were clearly re-releasing tracks as well on their label. Right. Yeah, the label cool. even still going. Oh, they stopped in two thousand eight. That'd be why it's all former. Yeah, cool. So Finch, so Finch got their break with Drive Through, and then moved on to MCA. MCA. So they they had a bit of help in this transition, and this sort of blows my my mind a little bit as well. In moving from Drive Through to MCA, this was aided by the assistance of Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLong who had signed Finch to their management company as they contacted the label about signing them. So do those two names sound familiar? A little bit. They 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 are they're pop punk royalty as far as as far as it goes. And well as you do mention Mark Hoppus, really sad news this week about really? Mark. Yeah, he's been it's he's come out that he's got cancer. Shit, did not hear that. Yeah, it was really recent. He's undergoing chemo. He, yeah, I can only, you know, if you know, just hope hope for the best and hope that he pulls through and the 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 treatment works. 
but it's uh it was a real kick in the fucking stones when you know someone that has always been like this full of life character is you know taken by this um, you know taken on by this disease so I, I hope he does get better i really do because he's got a lot of life left in him and he's i think he's a he's one of the good ones yeah no that, that would suck and, and hopefully mark if you if you ever hear this get well soon that would uh, that'd be pretty shit to leave us with tom DeLong. but <laughs> <laughs> off to space we go mate off to space we go oh christ they should uh, maybe we'll be listening to lateralis when we do it yeah, so so that's the band sort of on MCA and and now they're sort of they've recorded what it is to burn between June and September. So what's that? Three three months. That's that's a long time to record a what forty minute album. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking that it it adds up though. It, it does. My my biggest criticism of this album is it doesn't sound cohesive. Like maybe a bit overproduced. It sounds like three different bands gonna be i could i could i could categorize the album into sort of it's three totally different sounding bands there's one song it's just the wrong (laughs) we've talked about this before one of the songs on the album it it, it sounds like they left it on by accident (laughs) we're gonna i think we're i think we're gonna get there i know which song you're talking about but the uh they released three singles off of the album the the titular what it is to burn released january 2003 letters to you was followed up in april and then they released new beginnings and again the re-release of of what it is to burn in august 2005 really they only did videos for well there was a video for for new beginnings and what it is to burn but the two videos that stand out in my mind are letters to you and what it is to burn yeah they actually did two videos for for letters to you so the first was released in January 2002. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Bit about Even right. Even though the song, they officially released it a year, uh, they didn't do that until April 2003. So maybe this was for the demo. But they did 2002 and Doherty, Derek Doherty, bass guitarist, said that it was atrocious and basically a piece of shit. But the video? Yeah, they did. Wow. they did not like the video. Wow. I mean, surely they would have signed off on it. They must have ticked a box or said to someone, "That's cool." Or did someone do that out with their power? Well, how how else do you maybe do it? Maybe budget was a thing. Maybe they didn't have time. Maybe they needed to meet a release date. Maybe they just they just couldn't go back and do it. But they then filmed a new music video in mid April two thousand two in a hostel basement in Hollywood. I think that's the one I know. That's if I'm it was for letters to you. Yep. I think that's the one that I recognise. Is them downstairs in like a dusty room? Yeah, I tried to find both videos, but really it's only the the second one that I think comes up. But then in going back and watching that video, it's a bit of a riot as well. Like the band are totally hamming up the performance. It's just it's just a performance piece cut in with a kid in a sort of an abandoned place or whatever, and the band are just going absolutely fucking batshit on it. And I'm like. Maybe, maybe tone that down, boys. You Take know? a bit extreme, eh? You know, you're not. I don't. I don't really think you're playing your instruments here. If you're, uh, if you're fucking around that much, so it's just in hindsight, you know, of of where we are now. Going back over the video, I'm a bit like, Ooh. I, I, I think I said, did I say it in the Tool podcast that I think the weakest video a band could ever release is an overdubbed live video. 
like overdubbed. Oh no, I'm having I'm having flashbacks to Toolman in a Grammy again. What do you mean overdubbed live? Like a like, live performance taken from a just, gig? Yeah, so that you just mean you know recordings from a gig, but then they just put the album recording on top of it and release it as a video. Yeah, they they are just sort of filler videos, aren't they? They're just sort of done at the end of a a cycle just to pump out one last single and and generate that last bit of dying interest in it. I would so I'd imagine so for that I would say like New Beginnings was a pretty bland video it wasn't interesting it was more interesting of a song than it was of a video whereas you've got performance pieces like letters to you and what it is to burn have actual proper story driven videos if you will yeah the 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 what it is to burn video i'm sure is about i'm sure the song itself is about maybe being trapped in hell and like it's a song back to their loved ones Okay. About what it what it is to burn, uh, and you sort of see that in the video. The the, the video itself, I sometimes like interchange them between what it is to burn and Roses of Sharon by Killswitch. Like <laughs> okay, I think yeah, the two right. videos have two very similar aesthetics. In the desert. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. I think Killswitch. Ah, oh, I'm I'm gonna hate myself for not knowing this. I'm sure Roses for Sharon is filmed at that one rock in <laughs> California by a tree that. <laughs> That you know, you, you know the one I'm talking about, where it almost looks like um, Pride Rock, and everyone from Star Trek to fucking your latest oh, yeah, TV yeah. show has filmed at that location. Do you know what I mean? It's like right on the outskirts of Hollywood for tax reasons. It's like Hollywood's back. It's like Hollywood's border, basically. Is something I've read about it. I think if it's I'm, the place I'm gonna give it a googs, I'm going to give it a googs. Give it a look up because that's one of those places. Yeah, you're right. You see it in in loads of films and loads of TV shows. It's clearly just a, a film spot. It's got... You can be anywhere. Yes. It can, it, it can be an Vas, alien... Vasquez Rocks. What's it called? It's in Vasquez Rocks. Very Vasquez. Vasquez. That might be where Killswitch did. But, the yeah, the, the two films just have sort of very similar sort of colour palettes and, and, and it's a performance piece and, and then amongst a couple other things going on, albeit Roses for Sharon doesn't really have a, another story in there. Anyway, the more I talk about it, the less similar they are. But... <laughs> It's um, yeah. The, the, the better video is definitely what it is to burn. As much as I don't even like music videos. So, which version of what it is to burn? Is that what it is to burn? That's got two versions on the album. Yes. Which one did they use for the video? The new version. The new version. Okay. We'll come back. What to do that. you? What do you? What, well, let's go for it now. What do you make of that? What? How how do you feel about the two finger quotes versions? Being blunt, if I was talking to the band in 2002 or whenever they were in the studio in in September and they're picking the track list or whatever, pick one. Don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck which one. Just pick one. I don't care that you've made one sound a little bit different and you've you've changed it up a bit. Just, Just for the love of God, pick one of them. Because having two of the same song on the album, that is virtually identical. That is very, very close to each other. Like I can get away with "Letters to You" because, like on re-releases and stuff, they've got acoustic versions. I can, I can tolerate an acoustic version, especially with "Letters to You," because I think they've they really changed the the tempo and the the sort of the feel of that song with the, the way that that's performed. If I remember rightly, similar to when Incubus did "Pardon Me." They did mm-hmm. an acoustic version of that. It sounded nothing like Pardon Me because all the guitar parts are sort of like 
changed up a bit. So acoustic versions, I'll allow. Literal, one of them sounds like they both could be demos or one was a demo and then we were like, yeah, we, we by the time we finished recording the album, we actually made it again. They sort of really, they've only just sort of changed the intro to it, haven't they? Like one's a bit more of a sampled intro and the other one's just strings. Um, I think that it just it just sounds like it's cleaned up a bit and if they've got a video version of a song that's it's filler it's filler at the end of the day and that's what probably annoys me more is that you've paid 15 to 20 quid for an album if you've got it on I don't know I didn't buy this one but if it was 15 quid and four of the songs on there are, are done or th- two of the songs are done twice so four of them overall are repeats I'd be like feeling a bit a little bit cheated just a little yeah the sort of quickly to comment on what you said there about what incubus did with pardon me and you know comparing pardon me and letters to you i think pardon me works because they made it work well as an acoustic song i do not like the acoustic version of of letters to you it says here acoustic version courtesy of fox rocks on fox so maybe it's just something they've taken off the radio maybe it was a live performance and, and they've done it there it was never a, a sort of studio cut yeah version of it but i think it's something i'm going to come on to talk about it, it sort of highlights the singers i don't want to say flaws limitations I just, it, limitations great good way to put it i think just in my sort of genuine personal experience He's, he, he just can't maybe carry off every live show. Yeah. No, I get that feeling. I've never seen them live. I'll sort of put my hand up to that. But when they're one of those bands that when you listen to, I don't know, I just feel like he's, I don't think he can do this, mate. I think you've, you at the, at the, you're at your limit in a, in a studio when really the studio should be capturing what you can do live. And I don't think that was a true, I know when I listen to the album, I don't feel it's a true representation of what he actually sound would sound like live. Yeah, and I, I genuinely wonder, n- not not to rip the piss at the guy and what and whatever, but I, I've got their sort of tour schedule for for what it is to burn. I've got eighteen points on this tour schedule between two thousand two and two thousand three. They hammered the shit out of this album and they toured it extensively. That's insane. And you just you just got to wonder. Did he burn himself out? Was it was that too much? I mean, if he's burnt himself out, there's the thing is, well, there's there's different levels of of burnout. Has he burnt himself out physically, like literally shaved chunks off the back of his throat through screaming, or has he burnt himself out creatively and was what it is? Again, we we've you know cards on the table here. This is the only album we've really listened to, so I don't know if he got into his stride later on in his career but at this level of his career it sounded like he was already hitting some significant barriers yeah i won't i won't go too much into the the 18 points but you know they started off with a they went straight into a tour with a band called moth uh, april and may 2002 they were toured with brand new and starting line then they toured the uk with newfound glory between late june and mid-august finch performed uh, the 2002 warped tour so they've gone on warp tour, you know, busy. And busy, they're busy still band. still in the UK. They did Leeds and Reading. They've gone over to Japan. Let's skip down a little bit here. They've came back to the UK with From Autumn to Ashes and Cody and Cambria. They're doing tours in January and February in the US. 
so much is going on and they sort of finish they sort of finish that year cycle a little bit with some live shows and you can see on youtube they've, they've, they've done jimmy kimmel in the june of 2003 and it is rough like oh, it, really? it, it, it's a badger's arse of a performance like they're just it sometimes i don't know you, you sort of see heavier bands and and guys like this you know slipknot or mastodon or, or whoever do the late night circuit they do the talk shows and it's it's always a peculiar showing to me because i'm like who in this crowd is enjoying this music you know yeah these it's guys, clearly like a it's a it's a um it feels like an obligation to to just be like the these guys are popular at the moment like i've seen i've seen that i think i think is it slipknot i think i've seen them do theirs and it's really it's really kind of jarring because it's nine guys in a talk show setting jumping around smashing the fucking barrels and yeah. doing all the doing their doing their live show even even in front of a seated like yeah. studio audience really even the strange. introduction of like conan o'brien or or jimmy fallon and they're like and it's it's slipknot and then they just break into it. they do the you know they go full they go full themselves and you're just, i'm just sitting there like how what why are they here how how does this promote them how does this help them i'm sure there are fans of these shows that are digging this shit but for me it's always weird so finch have done jimmy kimmel and it's a bit of a live stage show like they're not in a studio there's there's a yep. stage set up that it pulls to, to the band and they do their thing and like i say it's it, personally speaking and not a great performance it's it's pretty rough they're obviously coming off of the end of an extensive tour and you you just gotta wonder like did you know how, how many nights on tour did you have like this because we might as well get to the point now because i keep on referring to it i saw them in glasgow whereabouts glasgow garage that's a relatively like decent small venue. to medium small to medium sized venue yeah um, i give it a googs i couldn't i can't accurately tell you when i saw them so online you can see that they've played either the 29th of november 2008 or the 27th of may 2015 okay now 2008 seems too long ago and 2000 and 2015 seems too soon but it was one of those two dates because it was definitely it was definitely garage. I remember going upstairs. So, so it wasn't when they, it wasn't during this album's actual cycle back no. in two thousand and two that that no. it came about. Yeah, no, okay. I saw. I saw. I remember missing them first time round, and then I think a friend, well, someone I no longer speak to, but someone at the time, and and I were like, "Fuck it, let's let's just jump through and see Finch. Let's, let, let, you know, why why not." It could have been 2015, because in May 2015, I was living in Glasgow. Maybe I just decided to go through, get a ticket on the door or whatever. But then I feel like I'd already been put off them well before that, because I didn't follow through with them. So let's mm-hmm. say, for argument's sake, in my head, it was 2008. And again, the performance was rough. Like I haven't came away from many gigs genuinely being disappointed by the headliners I'd gone to see, but I came away from that thinking, shite. Wow, that's a shame. It's a shame when you see, you know, the bands that you you held in such high regard. You know, at the time, you, you've you already said this this album was was really big on your on your playlists, and this was, you know, it was untouchable. And it's not until you've gone back, in in the capacity of of us doing this podcast, that you've sort of had the reflection and time to sort of absorb the album and go, you know what, this this album wasn't all it was cracked up to be. 
it wasn't i even remember sort of having this you know being underage in a pub like say i was like 16 17 whatever in a pub and we were all like sat around this table you know being the underage table and we're having this conversation about like you know what are your what were the best albums of your life like what you know and we're only like 16 17 so we've barely lived but what life exactly (laughs) so uh apologies to any 16 17 year olds listening but you know your kids so the the question was you know what 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 album sort of stands with you for up until this point and i said finch now the guy that had just said dark side of the moon was like are you fucking serious and i'm like yeah man like it, it is to me like this album has really affected me to this point and compared dark side of the, so in no, the same conversation no i haven't compared shit the question, no, no, but, but you, you you know the caliber of albums that are being discussed around this table one of your friends throws in quite possibly the most like well-respected albums in the world yes and you and you match that and it's like it's, i'm imagining like two players like playing pokemon cards and you know, someone's just someone's just smashed a shiny Charizard down, and then you've gone have a Clefairy. <laughs> like, you know what? My Clefairy will send you. No, so <laughs> all right, yes. In hindsight, I totally see where you're coming from. It wasn't a comparison. You know, that guy was saying to him that you know, fair, fair. The um, I'm I'm never comparing Finn's Dark Side of the Moon. Fuck, I'm never comparing what it is to Burning Dark Side of the Moon. But you know, it was just like I think I think my next album was something like Audio Slave. You know, and this these were just the bands that sort of I was totally like into at the time, and so let's fast forward to two thousand and eight, and yeah, I take that back. It's just <laughs> so I had to call up my mate. It was like, remember that conversation we had around the table? So sorry, man. I'm so yeah. sorry that that was my input. I, I should feel embarrassed. I should have just said Dark Side of the Moon as well. I mean, I've listened to Dark <laughs> I should have just nodded and agreed. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so it was just, it was. No, we all have our bad days. Like this was their job. They could have just had an off day. You know, again, extensive touring, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to shit on the band too much for it. But I, I have to be honest. My experience at that gig wasn't great. Not to, not, not, not to shit on the singer again. But like, potentially, <laughs> sorry, potentially, sorry, guy was chewing his fucking grinding his teeth or whatever like chewing his face off like i was a bit like are you are you really in this room man like are you either he was so into the music or i was a bit like yeah man you're fucking you're on something here and like that that just sort of pisses me off a little bit like like i mean if you're gonna do whatever do whatever but like if it starts to affect your performance and and affects affects what you do on stage to what the people have paid to see you do then you know it's like me turning up to my work drunk you know, yeah, they're not, they're not really going to appreciate it, are they? No, nah, it's true. Nah, yeah, you, you got to, you got. Sometimes though, that that you're right. It might have just been him getting in his, getting in his zone, or or just being, you know, being his being in his place. That might have just been what he does. My problem with this album, I've never seen him live, so I can't comment on his on their live performance. Is is the structure of it, and it's. I mean, okay. I don't again. I don't want to shit in it too hard, but here we go. Elephant in the room, love. Get it out. Get it out. Calling a song untitled. Right. Yeah. Don't don't fucking do that. Please don't do that. Track ten. Yeah. Track ten, untitled. 
give it a title. You are artists. Calling something untitled makes me... If, you, if you're going to do it for like a, a segue track or some like little 30 second sort of filler, you, you can maybe get away with it. Untitled skit one. Okay, fine. It's a real track. It's a, it's it's got lyrics. It's it's a song. You give it a fucking name. Four minutes thirteen. Yeah, four minutes thirteen. So there's my first problem. Um, my second one, and and this one, I can be backed up by my better half. Project Mayhem. It it's on the wrong album. It's on the wrong. It's the wrong band. It's like someone, while they were recording the album, spliced in the, the a band that was recording next door, and it's yeah. just a fucking mess of a song it's just an awful awful song and so earlier this week been listening to finch i've listened to it through various means uh one of my common ways to do it is i'll put the album on from a, a google home speaker while i'm cooking and i had it on yeah. in the kitchen uh, my wife comes in she says oh are you doing finch this week and it's like oh yes how, how did you know and 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 again, oh, and she starts going. Oh, I really, really like them, and tells me about you know stories when when she, I think she did some drive through records too, as she was helping out in the on the merch tables, or her friends were. And by the end of the album, she comes back in the kitchen, and Project Mayhem was on. She's like, what, 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 "What's this?" I'm like, "It's what it is to burn." This is awful. <laughs> like this is this is terrible and i'm like yeah yeah it is and it's is the song terrible or is it just in context terrible you know i.e on the wrong album by the wrong band etc yeah because project mayhem stand alone i don't mind it i i maybe even enjoy the, the track but i agree it's on the wrong album yeah. and it's just such such a such an unnecessary curveball that doesn't go anywhere it doesn't doesn't change doesn't take the album in a different place it doesn't it doesn't alter you know it's, it's not like they're like all right we've done our sort of emo half now we're gonna do like our hardcore half like as sort of muse did with their sort of space rock operatics slash heavier rock music it's just this weird sort of hardcore song in the middle of what is predominantly an emo album yeah and this was probably where uh i feel is probably the nostalgia that that makes me think that and happened again probably same happened with Gemma as well it's like it, it stands to to reason that this album sound or is remembered well because the first like six tracks oh aren't bad you know you've got you've got your big hitter in there of of new beginnings and letters to you and the other tracks you've got um postscript perfection through silence find that there's nothing inherently wrong with those songs you've got gray matter which features daryl plumbo of glassjaw fame and and it and it, it works really yep. well and i think nate and and daryl's vocals sort of should i say match up with each other on that song to the point where some people might not even realize it's daryl plumbo it sounds like nate doing a daryl plumbo impression yeah, I didn't know that he was on this album until I researched it, until I actually gave it a googs, got through the Wikipedia, etc., and saw, shit, Daryl Pumble's on this. Now that I hear him there, 
I know he's there, and I can hear him a mile away, and he's on Project Mayhem. Bloody Project Mayhem, thank you very much. But, yeah, I've listened to this album for 20 years. I had no idea he was on it until now. And it makes me feel like when I do hear that, when you hear something like Project Mayhem, it's like you're trying too hard to be Glassjaw. And and potentially. it's potentially, and I and it's always like, just be, again, old trope, be yourself. You're not, I don't feel like you're being yourselves in that song. And it, it is actually detracting from the, the rest of the album. Yeah, the band first met um, Palumbo at a Deftones show, funnily enough, and kept in Hilarious. contact with him. While they were recording the album, they asked the band, they, they asked Palumbo if he wanted to, to participate, and so they've put him, they've got him in on Grey Matter and Project Mayhem. Yeah, is Nate Barraclough a bit of a poor man's Daryl Palumbo? Maybe. The thing I want to take from this, though, I don't want to take away from Nate wanting to be that because what I discovered researching Seven Ways to Scream Your Name for Funeral for a Friend is that early, there's an early song that's recorded on, that was recorded for the EP that got put on to Seven Ways to Scream Your Name. And it's and it, in the liner notes, it, it's got Matt apologizing for his Daryl Palumbo sort of impression. Yeah, no, we we spoke about that. Whether it was before we started recording or not, I don't know. You you, you did show me that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's 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 no. I, I don't mean to. We we keep on prefacing ourselves with I don't mean to shit on. I don't mean to disrespect the guy by saying he's a is he a poor man, poor man's Daryl Palumbo. There's nothing wrong with taking inspiration yeah. and imitation and you know taking what someone else has done, and building on it, drawing inspiration. Yeah, building on it, drawing inspiration from that and, and, and trying to do your own thing based on that. Having said that, we have also spoken about how I think maybe Nate struggles a little bit or has, as we said, sort of reached the very end of what his range is. And I think maybe if you if, if it wasn't Nate on these songs, maybe if Daryl had came in, he maybe could have had a couple of steps further to go on possibly, said range. Possibly. But I think it goes really to show how influential glassjaw were being you know they only released their first like major album and from like 2000 and then you've got bands literally on the other side of the earth taking inspiration from that yeah i mean this is all absolute speculation but we're talking about influence of glassjaw and daryl palumbo what it is to burn is a massively influential album and i think rightfully so like this album might not have aged well for me but like I've already said, at the time, it was like one of my biggest, best albums. And so you've got bands like uh, Sylson, uh, Young Guns, Sison. and A Day yeah. to Remember, as well as Amity Affliction, have all cited what it is to burn as influations, uh, that's not even a word, as influences for, for these albums. Uh, Jeremy McKinnon himself has said, sorry, Jeremy McKinnon has said, a day to remember wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Finch. That's a big thing to say. I mean, day Huge to remember are, are, well, were, are, were, hmm, they're still going, are, a, a huge, they're a huge, huge band from like that late 2010s in, right through to, 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 I think they released an album last year. Uh, so yeah. clearly to be 
talked about in that circle is massive and yeah it's one of those bands that you can talk about and people know about like if i went to you know one of our friends from from then and, and said finch oh, what it is to burn and they could probably sing a couple of lines from a song whereas perhaps perhaps another band might not you know, would probably struggle to do that i think i think finch really were a very a very popular band in their time it was kind of what we were saying at the very beginning about it you know not being pop punk but almost being like pop emo specifically because of letters to you like that song got played probably still to this day gets played in clubs all over the place and i'm sure you know it certainly used to get me out of my out of my little bar lean and up to the de- up to the, the dance floor uh stage diving and, and, and killing locals <laughs> r.i.p <laughs> R.I.P. Lest, lest we forget. I mean, the it's after Untitled, the, the album properly unravels for me as well, because that's when you've got the song Three Simple Words, and that is that is a straight, straight-cut pop-punk song. And, yeah. and then you've got another cardinal sin, a 13-minute and 28-second song called Ender, which isn't the end. <sighs> and then there's like a it's what it is to burn is like a bonus track but it's not a bonus track because it's there i i i agree that in hindsight the end of this album is an absolute bin fire like it's a a car crash and i i don't i struggled i struggled as soon as project mayhem comes on i was like oh this album's fucking done for me next i can take it up to three simple words yeah but you're right ender with is like another three and a half four minute song and then they've just got like another nine minutes of just sampled nonsense. total noise i thought my fucking headphones were broken like, yeah. it, like if that's what if it doesn't even it doesn't even run into ender sorry it doesn't even run into what it is to burn like it's not as if they they transitioned into those strings yeah. it's just it's just absolute gumph and then you get what it is to burn why Ender and What It Is To Burn aren't the other way round? Zero know. sense. And, and, and quite frankly, yeah, like you don't need that extra nine minutes of nonsense at the end of Ender. And I really like Ender. Like it's th- th- this album with the sort of Ender and Without You Here, Without You Here, a couple of ballady moments, a couple of big singy ballady moments on this where, where Nate really sort of can open up and, and it works in the song. But yeah, just also, I think at the end of "Without You Here," there's more sort of. It's 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 not as long. It's maybe only like fifteen twenty seconds. But again, more sort of sampled, electro nonsense that I just it feels really out of place. It doesn't it doesn't lend itself to the rest of the album. If you'd started having those kind of moments, through right from the beginning, it wouldn't be so jarring. It just genuinely feels like a, a an album that just went out of control. And if the fact that you pointed out that the album took the best part of three to four months to record, and this was what they came yeah. out with, tells me that there was there was something not gelling at that level in the studio that meant they were doing these wild swings. And someone's like, "Oh, I just want to do this," and they're like, "Oh, let's cool, let's do it." It's it's got that sort of first album problem where they don't know what they want to do or how they want to do it and i think you know in in hindsight 
I think I would benefit from listening to the later, the next album to see if they managed to pull some cohesion into it. Like Funeral for a Friend, we discovered going from casually dressed into ours, they went from being young kids who were just making songs that they liked to making a dedicated album that just gelled beautifully together. And and I wonder, yeah. I wonder if going from what it is to burn into the uh, the follow up, which I'm going to name, say hello to sunshine. Maybe I should give that a shot. Maybe I should give it a chance. Honestly, I tried earlier today. I tried. I was like, no, I should really, I should really sort of see where they went after this. <laughs> snooze fest. Absolute. Wow. Personally, That's for me, absolute snooze fest. Uh, just as much as what it is to burn might be a bit of a hot mess and like there's some really great moments on this album and there's like we're saying confusing and, and maybe out of place moments on this album from what i heard of what followed just kind of lacked that energy kind of lacked that forward motion in in the music and i was just a bit like oh this is this is actually kind of standard this, this is actually kind of safe it's almost like they overcooked what it is to burn and you know, undercooked, say hello to sunshine. Wow, that's a shame. That's a shame. I would hope that a band grows from one album to the next. So, yeah, that's um, that's what happens, though. It's, it, like you say, if they burnt themselves out touring, if they've over overdone it, maybe pushed themselves a little bit further than they could hope, cope, maybe the record labels pushed them further than they were really intending to, It'll, I don't think those answers will ever be known, but clearly the band not staying together was is a sign that things weren't rosy or perfect. Well, I was I was a bit follow up with that as well. Yeah, I mean look at the stints they had, ninety nine to two thousand six, two thousand seven to two thousand ten, and then twelve to two thousand sixteen. There's clearly been some upheaval with the band or whatever's gone on with the members. Uh, labels pressures etc like they've, they've had a rocky history from from sort of formation and yeah that that's a shame that that sucks because i think there is a lot of good to take from what it is to burn but yeah. ultimately it's uh it's it's not for me not not carried through into their their later material so what have we got left here it was generally received pretty well you know, I I can see that. I'm, I'm I'd be interested if anyone had the same sort of opinions about the ending that we did. I'd be interested to read like a, a critic kind of having a go at that because I know we aren't music critics. I'm you know the last person that would no. that would ever be a, a critic for music. But if if they are think if we are thinking it as you know listeners, you know your standard music enjoyer what's a critic going to think about it? Surely they must have torn it to shreds. And I think there was one that I saw was that the LA Times gave it an unfavourable rating. Yeah, unfavourable. Karan gave it a mixed, drowned in sound, gave it a 4 out of 5. Ultimate Guitar, who now charge you for bass tabs, dickheads, were a 10 out of 10. Fuck uh, off, a 10 out of 10. Steady on. Yeah, it's, 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 never in its day was it a 10 out of 10. It's not even a guitar album. I wouldn't like... No. I wouldn't say the guitars are a standout moment to be like ultimate guitar gonna fucking love this. They are totally. is, look how many power cars we can put into dun, this. Dun, 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 dun. The um nah. 
don't, don't, don't. You know what I've been doing the last couple of days. I learned what it is to burn on base. It's super easy. <laughs> what it is to burn. I mean, that's not a flex. Like, I'm, I'm not a particularly talented musician anymore, or if ever was. Performance. What it is to burn charted at 99 on the US Billboard chart. US Billboard 200s. Okay. So, okay. Literally the middle of the run. By April 2003, they had sold over 200,000 copies in the US. Any UK any UK figures in that? Because I just don't think they would have done so well. It charted at number 177 in the UK album charts. Which is fucking... Like, compared to where Funeral for a Friend were charting, they were charting in like the 19s. Yeah, but British band. Yeah, they must have... Coming out of Wales. Yeah, they must have had they had the local support, I suppose. Yeah, Welsh Welsh band who had probably have came up in, in the local scenes, they would have had a much more local fan base. True. But the uh, Letters to You still got to number 39 in the UK singles chart. Yeah, it's a good song. It's, it's a well-written, well-recorded, uh, well-produced song. I, I I can see that being completely plausible. Yep. It's just the rest of the album. What It Is to Burn peaked at number 15 in the US Alternative Songs uh, and the thir- 35 in the Mainstream Rock chart. What about our Scottish uh, charts? Over 2000. What about the Scottish charts, Keith? Either didn't didn't get there or no one, no one Did knows. Did not chart. But by October 2007, What It Is to Burn has sold over 400,000 copies worldwide. So the album sort of shifted. Yeah, it's moved. It's moved on, yeah. And I think most people are, you know, if, for anyone listening to this, obviously if you're listening to this because you've seen Fincher on, or on the, the, the pod, you'll know the band, but like maybe if you were a Funeral for a Friend fan or a Linkin Park fan or whatever, you will also at some point of in your time have came across, must have came across letters to you and have had give Finch a bit of a listen in the past. I mean, it was a regular play on Kerrang! TV. It was like so every much. 20 minutes this song was on. Never off. Not his, not his hits. Letters to you. Yeah, it was, it was up there, and yeah, they, you, you, you couldn't escape it. They, they were, they were very much forced into your eyeballs. Yeah, Metal Hammer ranked the album at number seventeen in their best albums of two thousand and two. Must have been a slow year, but okay. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I sort of mentioned it earlier. They, you know, they, they have four releases. The fourth being the tenth anniversary of this. So uh, in 2013, Finch celebrated the album's tenth anniversary by performing it in its entirety. The celebration was initially intended to be a one-off show, before expanding to two U.S. tours, a European tour, and performances in Japan and Australia. So do you think that's when you saw it when they were doing this redo of of the of the of the 10 year anniversary do you think that's when you maybe picked up on it that would have been their follow through in 2015 I think um, or you know by the time they've reached the UK they've maybe done that but I, I generally think I was off of them by that point yeah you know I, I, I was just so it must have been the 2008 gig because it was sorry to bring that up again but I just, I, I'm just wondering if that I know. Just ticks a... I'm, just, I'm just having a flashback of disappointment no I, I knew the band were still going I knew I'd sort of seen the odd release they uh, they totally oh I didn't look into this I've just remembered it now they totally had a go at protest the hero so what a Finch what? song yeah yeah oh Christ how am I going to do this now you can't oh you can't you can't put this you can't you can't lay it out like this as I like, by the way uh, do you, when you say had a go do you mean like beef like they were they were they were having like a an argument with them online in person. 
okay, I can't honestly say whether or not the um, band themselves had had this issue, but there is a song on their, uh, their, 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 their second album. There is a song on Say Hello to Sunshine that is essentially the exact same as Blood Meat. Wow. You know the dun 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 Okay. Yeah. So whether Protest the Hero knowingly ripped them off, I don't know. Okay. But there's, you know, in my sort of years at some point, I you know I sort of come up online that someone has sort of identified that potentially Protest ripped off Finch at some point. So there's 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 a theory going. Is is that something that's been picked up before? Is this just your observation? No, there's just a YouTube video on it. Okay, I'm gonna to have to look that one up after the podcast. I think tonight. I need to. I need to know the song because there's just. I'm gonna to have to look that one up because that's. It'll be somewhere. It'll be in some. Um... The casket of Roderick Usher. God, what a terrible fucking track name. The casket of Roderick Usher on track 13 of "Say Hello to Sunshine" is similar. I'll say it's similar. I'll have to look that one up. I'll look that one up, but yeah. yeah, there's, there's, there's another. I mean, when we've we've moved on from, we've we've moved on slightly from from what it is to burn, but there's another th- throwback to a time when track titles were ridiculous, like just yeah, I, I've no idea what that means. I, it's just, it's just total gibberish. And is is the whole album like that? I'm, I never listened to it. I never gave it the time of day. Nah, that looks like it's the only song. That's title like that. That's a shame. Like, why would you do that? Why, why would you do such a thing? Silly, silly, silly Finch. Worms of the Earth was a great, great song like that. That one single. I don't think it made it onto an album, but I, I did enjoy that song. But that's kind of like the only thing I sort of enjoyed after, after what it is to be, after what it is to burn. To be fair, it's the kind of thing that they would never perform live as well. I don't feel like a, a soundtrack song unless it was like Mahusiv. Yeah, probably not. So that's kind of this may be a bit of a brief episode, but that's kind of where I'm at with with Finch. Genuinely, genuinely was love this this album. Maybe not even the band. I maybe didn't even know too much about the band at the time, but like just just the music, the album at the time really sort of spoke to me. Now it stands as a very we we, we mentioned emo earlier. Like a lot of the songs are a bit sort of. Break up-y, heartbreaking. Oh no, I've been dumped again. Sort of relationshipy, kind of mince that I'm just not. There's maybe a way to do that these days that this sort of doesn't stand as well doing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back over it, you know, twenty years later now, it's uh, yeah, it doesn't really hold up as an album for me. I struggle to get through it listening to it more than more than a couple of times. That the, the 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 album's composition really w- was probably something that sixteen year old or seventeen year old me probably wasn't as sensitive to because you know I like you see yeah. you were young you were young and inexperienced and you would think that this was probably one of the and you even said it's one of the best albums of your time since then you've you've heard a lot more albums and you've got a lot better reference points to kind of go off. Yeah. yeah, this is one that I wouldn't go I'm not gonna go back to. I will say that I feel a bit more favorable listening to it this time than we did the last time now, just to sort of peek behind the curtain for 
any listeners who got this far. This is Ooh, you're going this there. is the second time we've tried to do this album. And the first time we did this, it was a good while ago. We were talking a good like six months ago. I, I was very, I think I was very negative about it. But this time I don't feel as negative about it. And I don't know if I'm just trying to, maybe I'm, I've sort of settled with it. Like I've, I've grown. Made your, made your peace. Yeah, I made my peace with it. And it's like, just listen to the first six or seven tracks and move forward. Don't, don't try to listen to the whole thing because you're going to hit project on, you're going to hit untitled. You're going to hit project fucking mayhem. You're going to hit ender and you're going to get mad. Just don't do that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's super funny. Like there's, I've already said, I think there's really great moments on the songs, uh, sorry, on this album. And there's, there's ballady moments. And I think I can totally get on board if there's like some really good sing-along moments. Uh, you're right. It's not a guitar album. There's not really any memorable riffs or breakdowns or, or, or anything that sort of pull me into this. And I'm just thinking, fuck yeah, that's amazing. But, Ironically, as much as we've gave him shit, vocally there are some great moments, or maybe not vocally great moments, but like there's some great sing-along moments that I in my head can get into and belt out in the car or whatever, or, or you know when you're making dinner, etc. Totally. That's what's really enjoyable about this album. But get into some of the nitty gritty, get into the album as a whole, get into those last three, four tracks, and you just think, ah, actually there's. Those those sort of moments are kind of fleeting, and then the quality sort of dips a little bit. True, true. So yeah, is that is that Finch? Is that is that what it is to burn? I think that's what it is to burn for me. I well, like you've already said, we, we sort of gave this album a, a bash last time, previously, mm-hmm. and we um, you know, I sort of said then as well that I'm not going to come back to this album. Maybe I was a little bit hard on it. I, what it is to burn the the title track still stands as an amazing song like it you know it has those sing-along moments like the 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 chords are there the the melodies are there like it's 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 a i think it's the best song on the album personally so i might come back to what it is to burn every now and again chuck that in a, in a playlist or what have you but ultimately from start to finish this album nah, it's fun that yeah in the bin next just take the three tracks and i'll walk not, not even in the bin just <laughs> You're 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 out in the field now, mate. Maybe one day I'll come back to you, but now it's time for you to go over there. Like just just see out your gaze. Take you around, I'm Thanks taking you around the back of the shed. I'm going to put you fucking down, old yeller. <laughs> if you, I was just going to say thanks for the memories, but yeah, okay. If you want to, if you want to pop two in the back, then on you go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe that is me being harsh again. But it was a it was a good experience to go back over it. So thank you very much for for bringing that to the show today, Keith. I think that was good. Thanks for making it through those first seven songs and then not losing your shit. <laughs> oh god. Uh, well, well, what what's happening next? What is happening next? We're back onto our regular schedule after the oh, yeah. the massive high of having our first guest last week with Ped. So where do you want to go next? We're we're around the sort of early two thousands. We're approaching. The you mids. know what. 2002 2003 where, where you I, I think I said I we, we, we had a, a discussion before this and I said something and I'm going to take it back and I'm going to go down a different route you son of a bitch you absolute son of a what was the point in you going through your, your choices before recording to now chop and change god damn it lad. because 
it was mentioned in the episode and I oh I know and I have going. to do it. We're doing Jimmy World Bleed American. I thought we were gonna go with Glassjaw, so okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um I I think this was an album that I listened to. Now, just to preface this, I've called it Bleed American. It got released in the UK or later on it got its name changed to just Jimmy Eat World. So it's like the self-titled Jimmy Eat World album. Interesting. We can talk about that. But yeah, I'm going to do Jimmy Eat World, Jimmy Eat World or Jimmy Eat World Bleed American, whatever you want to call it. What's the one with... I'm just going to have a quick look. What's... Um, it's got the middle on it. Yeah, okay. it's the good one. It's it's the best. It's it's. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm so glad we mentioned them in the, in the episode because I feel more conviction talking about that than what we were going to talk about. Put it that way. Great. So we're not having. We weren't. We've, have we just avoided another Bush episode? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. I think. <laughs> I think this. It, it's important that I've changed my mind, though. I feel this is more of a. Oh, it's it's got the sweetness on it. Good. Sort of similar to Tool, didn't really get into Jimmy Eat World personally. I was didn't 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 do a lot of pop punk in in my day. So yeah, I'm, it's got the middle. It's got the sweet. It's got sweetness on it. I'm willing to give. It I had a couple. Of, I went through a couple of albums. I went through more Jimmy Eat World albums than I did Finch albums. Put it that way. So I'm looking forward to talking about them. Are they? Is this the song I'm thinking? Of? Let's find out next week. Let's find out next week. Ooh, cliffhanger. <laughs> is, is Sweetness the song I'm thinking of? So, uh, yeah, next week, Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy Eat World. J- Jimmy Eat World. Are we going to go for Jimmy Eat World next week? We are, but I, I don't know what to call the album. Do I call it, like, the eponymous album, Jimmy Eat World? Is that so, what it's called? When you mm, name it the self-titled? But it's definitely Jimmy Eat World. Jimmy, I'm just trying to drive that home. We're doing, doing Jimmy. Jimmy Eat Jimmy's going to eat some world. Right, okay. I'm going to perform the entire episode in my pants. That's for you and you only. Thanks. I always want to know that. Right. Say it. Say say the words. It's yours. It's You're going to take us home, mate. Take us home. That's what I wanted you to say. Thanks for listening. This has been Alive or Just Blethering. Head over to our Instagram and Twitter, and I suppose now fucking Facebook. I know, I'm sorry. At AOGB Podcast for all our latest updates. Next time on Alive or Just Blethering... Lav will be taking us through Jimmy Eat World. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Good fight. Good night.